I can say like with probably 99% sure, like I would never be at the games if it weren't for my mental coach, because I think I would be good, but I would be like, I would gotten the fourth place instead of the third place at the 2014 regionals. And who knows what would have happened after that. But I think that was the edge that I had in my training. I was not better physically than any of the other girls there. I just, I performed when I had to and when the pressure was at its highest. And um, I think that's what kept me in the game for all these years too. I, I've performed at regionals every single year. If you look on paper, like my stats are not super good compared to a lot of the other athletes. But I, I'm able to PR, uh, PR my snatch in every single regional since I started. And like, I'm able to perform when it really, really matters. And yeah, that's the difference. And that's where the mental training comes in. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. In this episode, I sit down with Kristen Holta, six-time CrossFit Games athlete and reigning second fittest woman on earth. Kristen and I competed alongside each other at the 2014 CrossFit Games, and I've enjoyed watching her continue to climb the CrossFit Games leaderboard year after year since that time. I was really, really excited to catch up with her to learn more about her mental training game, how she continues to improve as a competitor year after year, how she's feeling after a recent carpal tunnel surgery, and why she believes that when it comes to training volume and intensity, sometimes less is more. It's important to note that we recorded this episode prior to the recent events surrounding CrossFit and Greg Glassman, as well as the postponement of the 2020 CrossFit Games. So we did not address these topics in our conversation, but there is so much good stuff here. Kristen is such an impressive athlete and person, and I hope you enjoy learning from her as much as I did. Before we dive into the episode, we do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. We recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. Now let's get started with the episode. So I am very excited to be here on Pursuing Health with Kristen Holtet. Thank you so much for joining me from halfway across the world. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, so first of all, how are things going? We are still in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic. So how has it been affecting you in your day-to-day life and your training? Because we're, you know, we're really quickly approaching big events like the Rogue Invitational and the CrossFit Games. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's definitely different than I was planning on uh, this time, but I'm lucky to have a gym at home. Uh, so I'm able to do like most of my training as normal. The gyms are closed. All of them here have been for like five or six weeks. Okay. Um, so I'm training by myself. Uh, it gets lonely yeah. some days. <laughs> But uh, now, like the past couple of days, the weather has been so nice. I've been able to train outside and um, just doing what I can with what I have. And I think that's what everybody's doing now. Like it is what it is. And just trying to focus on the things that I can do and do the best out of it. So it's weird. It's a weird situation for everybody. 
but um, I mean, I'm healthy and my family is healthy, so um, I'm lucky with that. And I like I have a house and I have a gym, so I'm I'm happy with that. And uh, hopefully we can open up a little bit soon, so I can meet my friends at the gym again. Yes, we'll all have so much more appreciation for the little things of being able to go to the gym and work out with our friends. So definitely for sure. Did you, so you said you have a gym at home. Is that something that you used frequently prior to this or um, have you had to sort of upgrade it in any way so that you could do all your training at home? I I haven't been using it that much, maybe like one session a week. Okay. Um, because I just like to get out of my house mm-hmm. and kind of, leave for work and I'm at the gym all day and when I get home I'm done and I can like rest and yes (laughs) yeah so that's been a like that's been hard for me because I the only thing I have to do now is just walk downstairs and in a door yeah and then I have to be in training mode and like in mode and that takes like some some days it takes an hour Mm -hmm. for me to just okay now I'm gonna train uh go downstairs, get started, write down the board, like what I'm going to do. And I remember, oh, I have to do this at home, like this upstairs, I have to clean this. And mm-hmm. there's so many things to do when you're home. So um, it's it's hard for me to train here. But I mean, I've, um, I'm getting used to it now. And I have like all the cardio equipment, all the machines I have. Uh, a squat rack. Um, and I can lift outside. I can we've made a little platform so I can drop some weights there. And uh, nice. so, yeah, I have like the basic stuff and um, I need to get stronger. So I, I don't have any excuses. <laughs> Always a good opportunity. But that's a really important point. Yeah. I think a lot of people are struggling with now is, you know, even though maybe you do have equipment at home or you can do a lot of things and maybe you have a little more time because you don't have to commute or whatever, it is sometimes hard to find the motivation because it's not like, you know, you're meeting your friends at 9 a.m. to start the workout. Now you're, you're kind of at home, you're on your own all day, and it's, it can be harder to find that motivation to get started. Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm, I like to have a, a plan for the day. So like in the morning or the day before, I write down, okay, I'm going to start my first session at, at 9 a.m. Uh, and I'm going to get up at 7. But there's no like there's only me here I don't have to like focus on anyone else or like there's nothing else going on so at at my gym I need to be done by like four because then the gym is packed and it's full so I know I have to start at nine to be able to get in two sessions before that but at home no one is waiting to go to the gym after me (laughs) um it's me so I can be done at eight in in the afternoon it doesn't matter so it's, it's hard for me to um, to just stick to those plans because it doesn't really matter if I start at 9 or 10. Yeah, what are some of the things that you've found to be helpful or that's helped you to kind of make sure that you stay on somewhat of a routine even though you're home? I think the most important thing is to go to bed um, at the same time as I usually do, like 10 p.m. Uh, is my bedtime. And then try to get up at seven uh now that I'm like I don't have that 30 minute commute to to the gym I'm like okay maybe I can sleep a little more because 
I love my sleep. I could sleep probably for 10 hours and still be tired. Um, so I'm, I'm taking that time now to like sleep a little bit longer. I love like the long mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, I could sit and just coffee for an hour mm-hmm. and read a little bit or make plans for the day. Um, but I try to have like, okay, I need to get up at least by 7.30. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes I snooze for like 30 minutes. Yeah, let's well, good. <laughs> using that extra time for recovery. <laughs> yep, yep. Awesome. So I know, you know, there's obviously a lot of uncertainty about the games in the season, but so far it sounds like, you know, we're looking at the possibility of doing the games at the ranch. Um, what are your thoughts when you heard that news? I think that's really cool. It would be really fun to go back. I was there in 2016 um, and it was such an amazing experience, but I don't think I actually like embraced it and enjoyed it uh, because it was over so fast. It was like just one day and it was, I was so nervous. Right. And I hadn't been there before, so I didn't know what to expect. Uh, but now I've been there, I know what to expect, and I think it would be super cool if if they're able to pull it through, like to make it happen um, sometime during the summer or the fall. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think it would be so cool to watch just with so much history there. And I imagine, you know, the feel of the games would just be completely different because it would just be the athletes. You wouldn't have the spectators, but it would be a very like intimate setting and really kind of take you back to the roots of how it, how it all started, which I think would be cool for all of us to watch too. Yeah, I think, and I, I hope that we get, I want redemption for some of the workouts we did last time, <laughs> <laughs> especially that, that shipper. I know I can do better in that. So I hope if we get to do it, I would love to do that again. That would be really cool. That would be really cool. Um, and then uh, I understand you're also still planning to compete in the Rogue Invitational, which is now a virtual competition, it sounds like. Any yeah. specific plans you've been making for that or for training to get ready? It's kind of hard because I have no idea what to expect. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, because like it's easy to think of kind of an open style-ish thing, but I think it will be different um but i don't know like there's some people have rowers some people have a bike some people have like i don't know how they're gonna go through with that um but i'm very excited to see um how it all turns out and i i'm just trying to get better every day and like get my fitness level up so i'm able to compete with the other girls i've i've been injured like i had a surgery with surgery so I'm just coming off of that. Um, so it was fine for me that it was pushed like a month later. Uh, so I had a little more time to get ready, but um, it should be fine in uh, eight weeks. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's cool to see how much creativity is coming out of this too. And I'm sure it's going to be a completely different experience, but I think it'll be, you know, it'll be something different. Maybe we'll see virtual competitions in the future. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and I was sitting on the rower today, actually, and I was like, oh, I hope we did not have to do a marathon row again. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope for <laughs> Something like that. I'm like, ooh, well, I better be ready. 
<laughs> oh goodness. Yeah, I hope not. That would be so how many times have you done that now? Or you've done the marathon and the half marathon? I've only done the marathon. Marathon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. That was enough. Yeah. Um well, so you're in Norway now, and I know you grew up in Norway. And I want to talk a little bit about your background. Um, because I know you did a lot of other sports growing up, but and I know that we're, you know, you being on the podium, putting a lot of focus on CrossFit in Norway. We're seeing other athletes come up through Norway and qualifying for the game. So I'm interested to learn more about, you know, what it was like for you to grow up in Norway. Yeah, like Norway, we're known for the winter sports. And I grew up in a family like my dad, he was an Olympian in cross country skiing. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of um, attention to especially the cross country skiing. Um, and but I I just hated it because my dad was training all the time. Okay, so it wasn't and a fun family sport. It was all about training and serious. It was all about my dad needed to get his training in. So when we were out on a trip, like me and my mom and my brother and my dad, it was all about dad getting in his training. So we had to get from A to B as fast as possible. Had to rest and eat our lunch as fast as possible, and then go back <laughs> so he could train. So I was just associating like that with really hard work and you are really tired and I didn't want to do it at all. Um, but luckily my mom, she did gymnastics. So, okay. uh, and she was coaching and she was judging international gymnastics. Um, and my grandma was the gymnastic coach. So I started gymnastics when I was like three years old. I oh, think. wow. Yeah, really. And nice. I just, I just yeah, I just always loved doing sports like anything. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to do all the sports all the time, but there was not enough hours after school. <laughs> so, but some days it was like, okay, we started with two or three hours of gymnastic training, and then straight to track training for two hours, and it just kept on like that because I I couldn't choose. I wanted to do everything. Um, sounds probably a lot like what you're doing now, right? You're going training yeah. all different things and one right into the next. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I wanted to, I want to train all the time. Like I love those weekends that we had gymnastic training for like six or seven hours mm -hmm. during a Saturday and a Sunday. That was my favorite weekend because yep. I could just be there and train and be with my friends and. And I loved it. And when we had a weekend off, I did. I didn't want to do anything. Like I didn't want to go out on like a hike or anything because that wasn't training. Yeah, I was just walking. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've always loved to train and like do everything. Um, so despite maybe not liking the cross country experience, you did get some of that from your dad, maybe. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah, and I've started to like it eventually. Um, along with like the endurance part. I never really liked the getting tired part of training. Uh, I love to get better and work hard, but I didn't like if I had to run like more than 400 meters, for example. <laughs> that was, and breathing heavy, I didn't like that part. Um, but Times have changed. I, I learned to love that eventually yeah. too. Yeah. So, well, yeah, so it's been a lot of different sports, like, gymnastics, track and field, I played soccer, um, and did some endurance spots, uh, triathlons, running, um, so a little bit of everything. 
And I saw um, that you actually did pole vault in track and field as well, which I thought was interesting because there's many women who have been competing at the CrossFit Games who have a background in gymnastics and track and specifically pole vault. So what do you think it is yep. about that combo, myself being included in that? Um, what do you oh, think so cool. it is about that combination that maybe prepares you well to do well in CrossFit? I think like to do pole vault, you have to be a little crazy uh, <laughs> to start pole vaulting because it's scary it uh, at first. I, I think um, it and I'm like, I used to do that. That looks terrifying. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but also like it's a very technical sport, like an event. It's really, you need all the components. Like you need to be fast. You need to be strong. You need to be, you have like gymnastic capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that, uh, and you always, like, you usually do a lot of gymnastics when you do pole vault as a part of the training. So I think those of them gymnastics probably will be good at, at pole vault. And then if you go there to CrossFit, you see, like, a lot of similar um, things that you need to be good at. And so I think that's translates kind of, like, you you did it. Annie did pole vault. I remember. Um, I just yeah, like the mental part for sure, but also the physical part that you've been doing a lot of the the things that you actually need to be good at in CrossFit. For sure, I think it is a good combination. Like you said, it's so technical. It's almost like Olympic lifting, and then yep. a little bit of gymnastics mixed in there too. So, yeah. Crazy. I remember those times too. Like when you just said that, it reminded me some of my favorite days in the summertime training. I would go to gymnastics training for a few hours and then a pole vault training. And I just loved that, that feeling of like just training all day. Yeah. So after doing all these sports, how did you eventually find CrossFit? I was, um, it kind of started with me being heartbroken because I had to quit pole vault um, because I had two stretch fractures in both of my shins. Okay. Uh, and I've been training with that for a couple of years. Wow. Uh, it just wouldn't go away because I didn't rest and didn't make time for recovery. And I finally realized, like, I've struggled with it for four years on one, one shin and then when that's finally recovered, I got it in my other leg. Oh. And that's when I'm like, okay, this is not for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not built for this. I just can't do pole vault. But I didn't feel like I was, I had like met my true potential. Okay. I felt like I was forced to quit. So it took me probably like a couple of years to recover from those injuries. And uh, and then I started to do some endurance sports. Like I was starting to run because during those two years, the one thing that I couldn't do was like jumping and running. The only thing I wanted to do was to run. <laughs> I wanted to run as fast as I could for as long as I could. Yeah. Uh, so that's when I started running. And then I had a couple of years where I did cross-country running, cross-country skiing, some triathlon. But I just missed the part like the gymnastic part I missed lifting heavy weights and there was just something missing uh, both when I did track and both when I did endurance uh, part it was just something missing in my training 
So um, I'd heard about CrossFit in like 2011, um, but I I wasn't ready for it. I thought it was just going to be like this big thing that everyone is, was going to do, and I was not going to do that with <laughs> everyone else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but now I think after two years of just running and cycling I was just ready for something else and I went for a there was a friend of mine that recommended me to try it because she knew me and she thought that I was going to be really good at it I, I was just going to do it for fun uh, just for training I was done competing I thought mm-hmm. um, so I went for a session at CrossFit also and I was just, just hooked right away it was <laughs> that was my sport finally I found my sport yeah what a great feeling I yeah. felt the same way too. It's like the, as soon as I walked into the gym, I just knew this was what I had been looking for for so long. Yeah. So then you, when did you start CrossFit. Sorry. When did you start CrossFit? I started in the summer of 2009. Okay. So it was a little earlier. It was like right after they had done actually the last CrossFit Games at Aromas. Um, okay. so I remember watching those like online. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. So you said at that point, you said you were over competition. You didn't want to compete anymore. But at, w- at what point, you know, after you tried it, did you say, okay, maybe I do want to make this into a sport? I think I, I kind of felt it during the first sessions because it was, it was such a competitive environment. Okay. Because like there was three to one go and then you raced the other ones in the class. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, I was like, I'm okay. I'm just here to like get my fitness in. I, I'm not here to compete. Um, but I couldn't fool myself for long. And I think it was there was two guys that invited me to do team competition um, just a couple of months after I started. And I didn't really know what snatch was yet or anything. But I'm like, okay, if they want me on their team, yeah, <laughs> they have to take that risk. Um, I don't have weightlifting shoes or I don't even know what everything is but I'll join you and do my best but we'll see it could end up in disaster but that was just it was just an amazing experience in in Copenhagen in 2012 and I will never ever forget that moment Um, it was the final and this was when CrossFit really started to explode in Europe so they didn't have, they, you had to register on competition day. Okay. They had no idea how many people or teams that would show up. <laughs> so like the time schedule was like, it exploded out of reach. Like it was, I think the final was scheduled probably for like 4 or 5 p.m. And at 9 or 9.30, we started the final. Wow. It was a Saturday. It was, it was outside. It was raining. And there was no light. It was all dark. <laughs> so they drove the cars out on the uh, on the field there so they can light up, like the small field. Wow. And it was raining. And just that experience, being out there and, like, feeling the love and feeling that everyone around me was supporting me, even though they didn't know me and my team. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone was cheer- cheering for each other. That was just very new to me and very special. So after that, I was, I knew that this is what I want to do. Um, wow. That was the beginning. That's so cool. 
So going from that to then, you know, two years later, you qualified and competed at your first CrossFit Games in 2014. So what was that experience like, you know, going from knowing, okay, this is what I want to do to first making it to that big stage? I, I think after, it was after 2013 regionals um, that I knew that I was able to go to the Games. Mm-hmm. And when we came to the 2014 regionals, I was like, it's 50-50 chance if I'm going to make it or not. Mm-hmm. I didn't really uh, believe that I could make it, but I knew that it was a small chance that I was able to. But when I made it, when I got on the podium at the regionals 2014, um, after that, I was like, wow, what am I going to do now? I have no idea what I'm going to do at the game. Those girls are so much better than me, and I'm not able to compete with them at all. So, so we, my mental coach took me on a 48-hour camp uh, called Camp Get Christine Tough. <laughs> I'd so love we went on a military uh, campus for 48 hours, and we started with Triple Murph. Wow. And it just uh, escalated after that, but it was, it made me tough for sure. Uh, and I think when I realized that I was able to do way more than I thought I was able to, and I pushed my limits beyond what I thought was possible. And when I got to the game, so like, it can't get any worse than those 48 hours. So when I got there, I was able to enjoy it. I took it as like a once in a lifetime experience. I thought it was going to be that one and only time. And uh, I, I had an amazing time. I, I won an event that was beyond all expectations. Triple yeah, three, I remember that well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fun. So, but I really enjoyed it. It was really cool. But I knew like I was way ahead of being on the podium, and I, I didn't have like confidence mm-hmm. to like to realize that I was able to be able to compete with the best at one point. And I think that's so the the process for I think almost any competitor, right? Is the first year you go, you have no idea what to expect. You'll f- sort of feel like an outsider. You know, you're always wondering if you can really compete with these people and then it's this process of actually building up your confidence to realize that you do belong there and that you are capable of, you know, doing really well and competing against the th- these athletes and you mentioned your mental coach. And I think, first of all, it's awesome that you had a mental coach and that you went through that experience even before your first games. Because I think most people don't have that and they go into their first games and their confidence is so low um, that it really does impede their performance. But how did you end up you know, deciding to work with a mental coach? Um, and I know that's been a huge part of your training. So if you can elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, it was... I was actually, he came to me and asked me if I wanted to, uh, to be his student because he was doing a bachelor in coaching and he needed someone to like practice on. Um, this was before the 2013 regionals. I just started CrossFit like, uh, less than a year earlier. And no one else was having mental coaches at that point. So you were, (laughs) yeah, but I can say like with probably 99% sure like 
I would never be at the games if it weren't for my mental coach. That's because I think I would be good, but I would be like, I would gotten the fourth place instead of the third place at the 2014 regionals. And who knows what would have happened after that. But I think that was, that was the edge that I had uh, in my training. I was not better physically than any of the other girls there. I just, I performed when I had to and when the pressure was at its highest. And um, I think that's what kept me in the game for all these years too. I, I've performed at regionals every single year. If you look on paper, like my stats are not super good compared to a lot of the other athletes. But I, I'm able to PR, uh, PR my snatch in every single regional since I started. And like, I'm able to perform when it really, really matters. And, and that's, that's, the that's where the, yeah, that's the difference. And that's where the mental training comes in. Mm-hmm. And knowing how to deal with all the stressors, like in a competition and how to deal with the emotions and everything when things don't go your way when things go your way and all different scenarios that can come up like we need to be prepared for everything and we need to work on that before you're in the situation because when you're in a difficult situation if you don't have the tools to handle it by yourself uh, it doesn't it doesn't really matter you can't do it you can't figure it out in there if you haven't trained it before yeah it's interesting because I think it was for me around that same time, 2013, I actually started working with a mental coach as well. And for me, it was because I had taken 2013 off of competition. And for me, that transition was just very hard. And I kind of needed someone to help me process through it and in the, you know, getting back into training. And for me, I think that was a big game changer too, in terms of getting back to where I wanted to be. And, um, you know, showing that improvement in confidence that I would like was lacking in the first few years and gradually building that up. But I'm curious, you know, you talked about the first getting Kristen Tuff camp, but what are some of the other ways that your mental coach, like some of the exercises that you do with your mental coach to help build that muscle? Yeah, we, we started easy, like with breathing exercises to focus on how we can control our breathing. Uh, and in different situations, like, yes, it's easy to control your breathing when you're sitting at home in your couch mm-hmm. and are in like a relaxed state. But when you're out on the floor, maybe you're walking on your hands or like there's chaos or all chaos around you. How do you control your breathing and your breath at that time? Uh, and just doing that a lot uh, and using the tools of that you can always control your breathing uh in training settings and in in stressful situations uh so we've we've done adult, a lot of that and probably the most important thing is visualization for me um so much work it's so hard <laughs> to do visualization you're like thinking when when i talk to people about it it's like yeah, it's easy. You're just going to picture yourself doing it perfectly. Right. Just watch some videos and then you'll do it in your head. And I'm thinking like, yeah, that should be easy. But oh my God, it's, it's so hard. <laughs> and it, it requires so much energy and focus. Yeah. Um, and like 
for I've done a lot of visualization for my snacks, for example, and for a long time I failed every single time. Wow. In when I visualized it and it was like that's weird. It's it's not supposed to be that hard. Right. But then we had to like take a step back and look like when I visualized I had to sit like further away like in the stand so I couldn't even see my face. And then we had to go, like, take a step closer. And then finally, I was able to see myself left. Uh, and I can see my face mm-hmm. on that person, too. But it was it was about the angle. Like, if I was on the right side of myself, it, I would fail. If I was on the left side, I would make it. Wow. So it, it's just, just those small things that it requires so much focus and energy. And it's, I feel like that's way harder than doing physical training mm-hmm. because of the focus. Yeah. I think it's such a powerful tool. That was something that I had worked on too um, with my coach and something that I think maybe you did it in gymnastics too, but it was always very big in gymnastics growing up. We would always visualize our routines. And I think in competition, that was something that I always sort of tended to do just picturing like what it was going to be like to walk out on the floor and kind of familiarizing yourself with the environment. And I think a lot of times people underestimate how much that can change. The outcome is just being prepared for what it's going to feel like when you're actually there in the moment. Yeah. What are, so you said you spent a lot of work on the snatch. How do you incorporate visualization into your training? Is it like part of you know how much time do you spend is it something that you do in between training sessions every day or before you go to sleep or how does it how does it fit into the rest of the training that you're doing it it kind of depends on the movement uh but i usually before i start like muscle ups and snatch are the two things like movements that i've done most visualization for and for both of them i've usually spend some minutes just doing the breathing work, like maybe five minutes to get in. That, that's kind of my warm-up for the visualization. Yeah. And then I start the visualization, and then uh, when I'm happy with it, I can go and start my warm-up, like my physical warm-up. And then I also, when I'm in training, I will close my eyes, and I will, like, see myself perform a perfect muscle-up, and I will also, like, feel it on my body because like put my hands up I want my hips to be like that and uh and just remember how it's going to feel when I'm up on the ring that's awesome do you have yeah go ahead both before training and during training and uh for the lifting too like before um not not every lift but some of like the the important lifts yeah I would also visualize making the list. I know that was something, and you said you struggle with the snatch. For me, that was my biggest area too, where I, I would have these, just these mental blocks that I think I struggled with for years. And um, in my last year, made some big breakthroughs in that. But a lot of it was about, like you said, that moment right before you're going to go lift, seeing it, kind of getting yourself in the right mindset so that you have this absolute confidence that you can do it. Um, I know you have a picture of a tiger on your wall in your gym at home, but what are, what are, what does that mean to you? And what are some of the, like the mantras or the things that you keep in your head to, to keep yourself focused and confident? Yeah, I have, um, I have some different things that I've 
tell myself that the tiger has been with me since uh, 2015. Okay. Um, Where did that one come from? <laughs> we actually, it was after the 2014 games, I, my confidence was just so low because I'd been to the games. Mm-hmm. And now I felt like all the other girls that hadn't been there, they wanted to like beat me because I'd been there. You have a target. I was a target and it just it broke me down for a long time. I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not good enough. I don't know if I want to do this. It was just this one time. But then uh, the Open started and we came closer to regionals and my mental coach and I, we figured we had to do something different this year. So we brought in the Tiger um, and the first event that year was Randy. Ah, yes. It was 75 matches for time. And I did it, we were the last weekend. So I probably done it like three times before regionals. And I watched, as I watched the other regionals, I was like, my time is just not good enough. I'm, I'm doing everything I can, but it's not good enough. I won't be able to compete with the best. So then we, uh, when we got to competition, um, we took out a tiger and I, it was an imaginary tiger, not a real tiger, but he took the floor with me. I was holding him like, um, next to me and I was petting him on the way out on the floor. It must've looked, I must've looked like I was crazy, but I had, had the tiger with me and it was standing next to me and three, two, one, go. The tiger and I like became one. Wow. And that feeling, it was, it was just crazy because I think I PR were like 20 seconds. Wow. And in a sub three minute workout, that was, that's pretty good for, <laughs> for a regional workout. Like, and I was standing on the finish mat. I was like, wow, that was, that was something else. Crazy. That tiger really, really <laughs> kicked in. <laughs> so that's that's when the tiger started, and I've I've used the tiger for several other events after that. But that was like the tiger event. For wow, me. that's so cool that to find that you know the tiger is really within you, but like being able to harness that power when you need it. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. That was cool. And so Tiger is one thing that I'm using and also um, Krieger, which, which means warrior in, in um, Norwegian. And that's from my mental coach. He's been in the military for 20 years. And he talked to me about like how it is to be in battle, like in, in war zone. And I don't think you can ever imagine how that is if you haven't been there. But I've just been really, I've gotten inspired by that and seeing how warriors attack a situation and how they get from A to B uh, without complaining. Nothing can stop them, no matter what's trying to get in their way. They will always get tasks done. So that's what I'm thinking about, like, before a really tough event, mm-hmm. I write usually write Krieger on my hand and when I feel sorry for myself or I start to get tired I look at that and I remember I can look I can see that battlefield 
I need to go from A to B as fast as possible and nothing can stop me on the way. So just focus on the task and get it done as fast as possible. That's amazing. And I've heard you talk before about how there was a, um, an experience you had with an injury with your lungs that really helped you to buy into the power of visualization. And that was before, you know, before that first regionals were, or not the first regionals, but the regionals where you qualified in 2014. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that was, um, I don't think I would be where I am today without having, um, that accident. It was, I, I just finished qualifying, uh, the qualification for Battle of London, uh, which at that time was the biggest crossing competition in Europe. Um, and I was in first place together with Sam Briggs, wow. who just won the games. <laughs> so to me, that was pretty big. Yeah. Um, and I had some issues with my with the nerve in my hand, so I went to um, um, to a physiotherapist, and I got needles in my chest, uh, and I ended up on the ER with a punctured lung. Goodness. And to me that was like my world fell apart mm-hmm. because up until then, since I started CrossFit every day, it was like just PRing and high-fiving. Everything was just going smoothly. Mm-hmm. And now this thing happened to me and it wasn't because I done something wrong. Something, someone did this to me and my world just fell apart. I felt so sorry for myself. I was crying my eyes out. I was calling my mom and my dad and I was crying even more because they felt so sorry for me. Mm-hmm. And I was I was talking to my friends and like everyone was like, oh, we feel so sorry for you. It's so bad. And I was just, oh yeah, I, I don't know what to do. This is oh. the worst thing that ever could happen. And then I called my mental coach and there was no empathy at all. He <laughs> was like, okay. I hear you. Um, how can you make the best out of this uh, situation you're in right now? I was so mad. I was <laughs> like, I feel sorry for me. Yeah, I, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like talking to him after, like, and this was a strategy. He do have like yeah. empathy, but that was, I needed something to break this situation mm-hmm. that I was in like I needed someone to just tell me um HTFU like I tell myself harden the f up and okay I after this injury like I had three weeks uh, I couldn't do any training at all mm-hmm. and to me that was like a year it felt yeah. like a year yeah. it was eight weeks until the competition I knew that I was able to compete but I knew that I wouldn't be in my best physical shape Mm -hmm. so that's when I figured okay I'm not going to be able to train physically for three weeks but I can do a lot of mental training and when I get to this competition I will be the absolute best best at mental training Mm -hmm. so I went to the competition I was terrified of losing because I was the first I was I won the qualifier and I knew Sandvik was not competing so I had everything to lose Mm-hmm. everything and I was not allowed to tell anyone about the lung accident so I had no excuse mm-hmm. uh, and we went in and before I was terrified um, 
but then I had a session with a mental coach and we agreed on I'm really lucky to be able to compete I'm gonna enjoy it and I'm not gonna care about placement or anything I'm just gonna go out there and do my absolute best and I won that competition and I felt like that was beyond all odds like wow I really did this with mental training and that alone Mm -hmm. so that's when I realized how big of an impact uh, mental training can have on your performance yeah, it's amazing. And I think, you know, I've talked with other guests about visualization, but it can have an impact on so much. I mean, on our training, but even when you when you think about using it for health, for healing, people who are in the hospital suffering from certain conditions, you you know, you hear about the impact that actually visualizing your body healing and being healthy can actually help it to do that. And so I think it's something that even though you talk about it in the setting of a high stakes environment of competing on a high level, it's something that anyone could implement into their lives no matter what they're doing. Oh, for sure. I think like in your, in your job, if you have an important meeting or a presentation that you're a little scared of, try to visualize it. And like when you go in there in person, then you feel so much better because you've been there before you've done it before and you know how you're gonna do it and that makes me so much calmer like in situations like that because I'm like oh I've done it before I know what I'm gonna do yeah absolutely yeah so obviously you know you've showed improvement really every year over the past six years competing at the CrossFit Games and then this past year, 2019, finally making it on the podium, which I was so excited to see <laughs> cheering for you in the, that final event. Um, and, you know, what, first of all, can you talk a little bit about, about what that felt like to be up there and to, you know, finally have made it on the podium and to have the Norwegian flag and be representing your country? It was, it was an amazing experience for sure. Um, but to be honest, I thought it was going to be even more special. Like that was my, it's been my goal to be on that podium for several years. And now I was there and I was like, wow, what am I going to do next? You're right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I always imagined that, okay, okay, if I, if I'm on the podium or if I win the games, I'm done. Wow. Um, because I feel like, that's that's when I feel like I've done everything I can and I, I can be satisfied. I'm like, I, I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. I've done this thing. But I don't think that feeling will ever come no matter what. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, okay, what's next? What am I going to focus on now? And like the day after it was that post-games depression came as every other year. And it was like, oh, wow. I feel so lonely and I feel empty inside Mm -hmm. uh, because you're not with all the other athletes anymore, like all day long. And this is something I worked for for so long and it's over and we just have to start from scratch again. Mm -hmm. So it was an amazing feeling and to be able to stand there with the Norwegian flag representing my country, that is really special for sure. But I thought it was going to be even more special, to be honest. And um, it's, that's, it scares me a little bit because when will I ever be satisfied? 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because I think you hear that over and over again from athletes, no matter what sport or what venue, you know, finally achieving that goal, then there's this emptiness. There's this what's next because it's that goal that drives you to do everything every day. So, you know, how have you, obviously you're back to training and you're qualified for the 2020 game. So how did you sort of, how do you frame that now? Have you set a new goal or how are you moving forward? I think um, after the game, it was just so short turnaround to the Open mm-hmm. that I, there was no time to think or do, like you just have to keep training and get through the Open. And then I did a filthy, one, filthy 150 competition in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was, I was kind of empty again. I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? Yeah. And I really don't have anything until the games. (laughs) Yeah. It was, I, I didn't really want to start training because it was so long, as you said, until games. Um, And then I think it was kind of, it was meant to be that I needed to have the surgery. Uh, on my wrist because that and that is taking way longer than planned like the recovery which made me realize okay I really want this I really want to do CrossFit to compete in CrossFit and I'm not done I I still have more to show myself uh, on the competition floor so I just needed that setback Mm -hmm. to realize how much I want to do this and just getting things went so smoothly like all last year and through the open and through filthy 150 which and then I was like okay something needs to happen because this is too good to be true (laughs) and then it happens of course (laughs) it's always like that does that right it throws you those setbacks when you need to, to learn a lesson or when you need something to you know, I mean, even now we think about with this pandemic, you know, some of the silver linings of things that maybe people are realizing how important, you know, certain things are in their lives and now that they're not able to do them. So, yeah, yeah. I think it, it's like you appreciate the small things again. And sadly, it takes like stuff like this, the pandemic, uh, injuries, setbacks to for you to realize that you appreciate it so much mm-hmm. um but that's the part of life that's true so yeah. how are you doing now if, as far as your recovery are you almost back to 100 percent or um yeah almost um i had the same surgery on my other wrist in 2016 and that took like i was fully back in eight weeks so i i'd expected the same recovery this time around but it took it's it's been taking way way longer um but the funny thing is that up until corona virus came like i was so worried about the pain and like i needed to be ready for this and this competition that it didn't get any better at all because i think i made it worse than it actually was because i had a timeline for myself yeah. um but when all this happened 
it was like a click and the pain was almost gone wow. because the pressure was gone yeah. and I didn't have to be ready in like a couple of weeks or four or a month. I had time to recover. So in going a lot better and now I'm able to lift heavy again and do uh, muscle ups and uh, also did some handstand pushups for the first time in over three months. So I'm getting back there and I, I thought I was going to lose like a lot of strength and technique, but um, my muscle ups felt better than they did three months ago. So That's awesome. <laughs> you don't lose that much. <laughs> you have a, a new wrist. <laughs> yeah. That's great. What do you think other than obviously the mental training has played a huge role, but what else has played into your ability to just continue to improve every single year and be where you are today? I think focusing on like the small details of getting better at every part of training and life. Like this past year, I, in 20, before the 2019 season, I, I've done well. Like I got seventh place twice um, at the CrossFit Games and I was good, but I was just tired of being good. I wanted to be great. So I started focusing on like all the things that I could control, like my sleep, my nutrition, um, and my training and my recovery and put together that's the best team that I could have around me. And I took more responsibility myself for my training because I'm a person, I, I need to know what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. I need to figure out like, okay, I'm not just doing this because it's on, on my training program. I need to know why and how it's going to make me better. So just me taking a little more responsibility and putting together my training plan um, gave me more ownership of my own training and knowing, okay, this is like, if things doesn't go the way I want it to, it's my fault. I take full responsibility. But I also want to know that I've done everything I can to be as good as I can. And I've actually done less volume um, probably since 2016, every single year, less volume, more quality. And I spend a lot of time uh, focusing on like the technique. How can I be uh, most efficient in things? I watch videos and I watch, do a lot of videos on myself and trying to figure out how can I make uh, kit more efficient uh, or my rowing more efficient or yeah, all kinds of uh, movements. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest part um, of it, trying to find ways to improve in all aspects of this training in life. Who are the key people on your team that you've surrounded yourself with to try to um, address all these different areas? So I have my mental coach, uh, Christian, um, from Norway. I have uh, CJ Martin from CrossFit Invictus uh, and the team, the whole CrossFit Invictus team over there. Uh, and I, Joachim Merig, he's my gymnastic coach here at CrossFit Oslo uh, and the head coach here. So he's like, he's there every day. And uh, uh, I'm talking a lot to him, like how we can improve and everything 
and then Chris Hinshaw been doing my uh, endurance program and um, just really cool to discuss workouts and strategies and everything with him is oh, he's all the- these yeah <laughs> all of these uh, coaches are super smart and I'm just really lucky to have them in in my life yeah that's awesome. So I know you actually have a, a background as a nutritionist. So do you also do your own nutrition or do you, you know, use anyone to kind of help bounce ideas off of in that realm too? Um, it took me a while before I realized that I actually needed to do anything with my nutrition. I was like, I know what I'm eating. I, I feel like I'm getting enough. Uh-huh. Uh, and I've always been like, I don't want to weigh my food. Um, but during like before 2019 season, I was like, okay, I'm going to do everything. So I'm going to try this too. So I, I got some help from Jen Ryan. At, um, she's also uh, training and working at CrossFit Invictus. She's a super good uh, master's athlete. And I'm just, I talked to her a little bit and we figured out like, okay, you need to get in this and this much, uh, of everything. And. Of course, I ate way too little carbs, so I had to <laughs> up my carb intake. Um, and it's just easier to have someone else uh, be like you can count on instead of like now with my planning for the day. It's just me, and I'm the only one who's going to see it. It doesn't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. But if I have someone else that I know has put in work, to help me I would I would do it and uh, I would get through with it so I I don't I don't weigh my food uh, all year long uh, all year around just I try to figure out like I need to eat this much of this and this much of that and I stick with that through the whole year that accountability I think goes a long way for sure yeah yeah um So I think, you know, you've probably talked about a lot of this already, but I also just want to bring to the attention that, you know, you have been at this high level for six years and you're also really towards the upper end of age for the women who are competing in the individual division. So what are some of the things that you, you know, and you've been competing in sports for your whole life. So it's not like, you know, you just started training. You've been, like you said, you've been beating your body up for a long time. You had the stress fractures before you even started CrossFit. So you know, what are some of the things that you think have helped you as you look towards longevity and being able to be active, um, you know, for many years to come? I think probably um, for now, like in the situation I'm in now, I realize I don't have to kill myself every single day. I don't need to add more volume to get better. Uh, I need to add more quality. And I need to listen to my body. If my body's telling me like some something is hurting a little bit or you have some aching, there's something that needs to be paid attention to. And I think just just learning to actually take a day off of those things that actually hurt or a few days off, it doesn't matter in the big like in the end because so much better to have a healthy body than to push through a couple more training sessions just to get it in. Uh, and I, I just feel I'm so, I feel so much better. I'm so 
much happier when I have a healthy body. So that's going to be like, that's, that's been my goal since 2016. I was, I was always injured from 2014 until 2016, 2017 season. It was just something that was hurting all the time. And that took the joy away from training and competing because it's not fun waking up every single day and like, Oh, where, where is it hurting today? Um, so I'll just, then less volume, more quality, and listen to my body. That's uh, that's what I've done. That's what I'm keep going to keep doing. And it sounds simple, but I think it's so hard for people to do, even even if you're not competing in CrossFit. But I think when you start, the attitude is always more is better, and just push through. And you know, it's so intense and tough. But really, when we're thinking about longevity, those lessons are so important, and we want to be able to do this for a long time. So yeah, and and also that you don't need to keep, like you don't need to push 110% every single session. Mm-hmm. You can do that maybe once or twice a week. Yeah. And then the rest can be like strength work, technique work, or just go out for an easy jog. Um, but I think a lot of CrossFitters, especially they go in and they hammer it every single day and they don't really know why they get so tired. Um, but your, your nervous system is like, fried because you're always going after it 100%. So that's also one thing I've learned that less less is better at that time. Like push 110% when you have to uh, and like once or twice a week for my in my uh, case and then the other ones are less uh, less intense and I can give my brain a little rest and my nervous system. All right, so get that coming from the second fittest woman in the world. You don't have to push 110% every single day. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> now, do you get when you know you have a workout coming up, though, like a couple of times a week where you are pushing 110%, do you get really nervous or what is that like? I do feel it in my stomach, yeah. And I'm trying to find excuses for like why I'm not going to do it. And especially during, like now I'm doing this horrible assault bike interval. <laughs> and it just it hurts so bad, <laughs> but it's it's almost worse before I start because yeah. I'm so nervous about the pain. But when you get started, it's like I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's fine when you get started, but it's uh, it's not fun before and during the the real pain. Yeah. Um, what are some of your personal biggest accomplishments throughout your CrossFit career? And these don't have to be competition things. Like I know for me, some of my things that I'm most proud of were things that I did in training when no one else was there, but I had been working towards for so long and then finally was able to do. So, you know, for you, as you look back over the past eight years, what are some of the things that you're most proud of? I'm, I'm back to the muscle up and the snatch. Yeah. Um, I just have spent so much time and energy on those two movements because those were my worst movements and my biggest weaknesses uh, compared to the other, uh, my other competitors. And I never stopped trying to get better, even though I sucked for several years. I worked so hard, but I just couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And finally, like, eventually in, 
I think it was the Dubai competition in 2017, uh, Dubai Fitness Championship, mm-hmm. where I it was a com- it was an event where it was one muscle up up to ten. You had to do them unbroken with a handstand walk in between. Oh wow! And I was able to finish that workout and got a top three placement in that behind Sam Briggs and Kara Pierce. Wow. And to me, that was like, wow, it's, you will be rewarded in the end mm-hmm. if you keep working on your weaknesses, mm-hmm. because I would never have thought that that would happen. I, I thought I was, was going to be bad at muscle ups mm-hmm. through my whole life because I couldn't see any improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and, and also through my regional career, like, I've spent so much time on the snatch and, and especially mental focus because I've been so scared about failing because if you fail, you're out on a snatch. Yeah, that's original. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very. So, and, and I've been able to perform every time um, even though I was super scared and like frightened to fail and not be able to make it to the games. I been able to HTFU and focus on the things that I need to when it really matters. And, um, uh, and I've performed uh, when it really matters. So that's something that I'm really proud of. That's awesome. What does Kristen Holty like to do when she's not training? I like to lay on my couch and watch Netflix. Yes. And don't, don't do anything. <laughs> um, and in the summer, like now, just lay out in the sun. Yeah. And tan. Um, that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. We were talking about taking advantage of those warm days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I love to travel too, but that's, that's kind of a part of uh, CrossFit now. So I'm lucky to be able to do uh both of those things but i i wish i could travel the whole world see all countries in the whole world what are some of your favorite places that you've been to that's hard i must say san diego california um it always it's i always feel so loved when i come there because of the people but also i love the city um I've been to India, uh, and that's that's really it's just really different. Both India and Shanghai, China, which I was last year. I'm so happy to be able to travel to those places because they you see things a little different and a different perspective because it's so different from what it is at home. Um, and I think that's cool about seeing so many different parts of the world because you a lot of things you take for granted at home they don't even have like fresh water and a place to stay um so i i i would love to travel more in like africa and south america um to see uh see those parts of the world too and and hawaii for sure i will i haven't been there but i i think that will be one of my favorite places Yeah, me either. I think that would be awesome. Well, hopefully we'll all be able to travel again soon. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Yeah, I hope so.
Um, so before I start wrapping up, I have three questions that I ask everyone at the end. But before we get to that, um, you know, have you thought at all about when if this is all done and you're done, you know, you're happy with your career and you're done competing in CrossFit, what you might do? I have, I, I am thinking about it, yes. I don't want to, um, but I'm kind of being forced to do it. Uh, I know this won't last forever. Um, so I'm not sure, but I know I, I will always do CrossFit and be a part of something in CrossFit, I think. I would love to work um, like as a mental coach or a coach for other like younger athletes because I just know if I would have gotten the guidance that I got when I was 26, like if I've gotten that when I was 14, 15 or 16, my life would be a lot different up until now. Yeah. <laughs> I know that for sure. And uh, it would just be really cool to work with uh, with other athletes in that aspect and see how much it can impact their um, athletic career and performance. So we'll see. Like I have the nutrition part. I have. I would love to do like something with both nutrition uh, and mental coaching and and also coaching. So we'll see. Or or maybe I'll just be an accountant. <laughs> uh, I haven't really decided yet. <laughs> so many I, just, <laughs> I just love numbers and I can also see myself doing that. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it makes sense. You're so calculated with everything you do in your training and I'm sure you'd be a very good accountant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, all right. So the three questions I ask everyone, the first one is what are the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Uh, first, I think it's sleep, sleep enough, get enough hours of sleep, mm -hmm. um, exercise, mm -hmm. training. Um, I feel bad for my boyfriend sometimes because Kristen before and after training, <laughs> two, two different people. <laughs> uh, it just makes me so happy after I work out. Um, that's two, and I think getting fresh air like clear my thoughts go out in the woods uh without uh my phone uh any distractions and just um let my my mind um get some rest and just that's when i'm being my most creative and figure out like plans for the future and stuff when i'm just out walking and listen to the birds and um no worries so, yeah, I think that's the, those three are the best ones. I like that. And also how times have changed. You said when you were little, you hated just walking. You wanted to walk. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh -uh. Okay, what about one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it? Or something you're working on? Mm. Stress less about all the things I need to get done. Like I'm not able to sit down in my couch and relax if I haven't, if there's not clean around me or if I haven't done all the things that I was planning on doing that day. Uh, I wish I could just um, sit down and worry less about everything else. 
yeah. um, but being relaxed in the moment. Yes. So yeah, like relax more mm-hmm. and really relax. Thanks. My mind and body. Definitely something we can all work on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last question is what does a healthy life look like to you? A uh, healthy life includes um, uh, exercising, um, balance, and uh, um, healthy relationships, like good people that support you around you. I love it. I, would say. Yeah. I love it. Well, that's a great note to end on. Thank you again so much for taking the time and We're all excited to watch you again here and hopefully we'll see you competing at the ranch and can't wait to see what you do after that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. As always, I like to recap my biggest takeaways after the interview and there was definitely a lot to think about here. My first takeaway was about the power of mental toughness. This really came through in the conversation and harnessing the power of mental strength is something that I think all of us can do to improve the outcome of any aspect of life. Kristen talks about her intensive mental toughness training camps, visualization techniques, and mantras. And these are all tactics that we can use to improve our own mental game, whether it's for athletic performance, work, or any other area of our lives. The second takeaway I had was about how the little things can really add up to make a big difference. I loved how Kristen talked about how focusing on details such as sleep, nutrition, and recovery this past year allowed her performance to improve from good to great, finally landing in a podium position in 2019. It's important for all of us to be reminded of how important all these little factors can be when it comes to reaching our goals, whether they're training goals or goals of health and longevity. My third takeaway was about how sometimes less is more. I loved that Kristen talked about how she only goes to a place of maximum intensity once or twice per week in her training. So often we can fall into the trap of trying to push max intensity day after day, and eventually this can have a negative impact on our training and our health. It's so important to understand the purpose of each training session and know that not every session has to be an all-out effort to be beneficial or effective. I hope you had some great takeaways from this conversation as well. 